Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Cut the Shit, a podcast series that aims to take a closer look at the impact of the IT industry, both the good and the bad. Cut the Shit is brought to you by Plow Networks, a managed IT services company based just outside Nashville, Tennessee. I'm Brian Link, EVP of Products and Services here at Plow, and I'll be your host for this series. I'll ask questions, and with the help of our guests, try to dig deep on some of the key challenges we all face dealing with IT. So with that, let's cut the shit and get started. On today's episode, I am pleased to host another edition of Cut the Shit After Hours, our semi-regular series where I sit down with the co-founders of Plow Networks, Brian Law and Cameron Plato, and have a free-ranging conversation about a topic or two of interest. Today we're going to go back to a topic we touched on during our very first Cut the Shit After Hours session back in the fall, and that's the topic of buying personas and buying styles. I spent some time trying to get Brian and Cameron to share their insights on what buying styles are, how to figure out what your buying persona is, and why it's a good exercise to go through, especially if you're responsible for purchasing stuff for your company or business. Along the way, they share some highlights and lowlights of their roughly 40 years combined in technology sales. And as usual, we have a few laughs at each other's expense. Enjoy. Welcome back, everybody. Cut the shit after hours. I've got Brian Law and Cameron Plato with me again today. Uh, Before I let these guys jump in, I did want to give a quick shout out to the podcast. This is our 20th episode. Um, Podcasting's been around a long time now, so there are people with literally thousands of episodes. So we probably shouldn't pat ourselves on the back too much just quite yet. 20 is one step closer to 1,000. But but 20 feels pretty good. Uh, Yeah, try not to hit the mic. Uh, She just told us. Why don't you go ahead and knee the table and clear your throat and maybe spill something? Can't take these guys anywhere. Um, But we're really glad to be back. Last time we the three of us were together, it was a 10-year anniversary. Um, that right. was when we recorded and talked, did a little bit of walk down memory lane. We heard some some stories about the early office space yeah. and some things like that. So I had COVID, I think, right? But you I, did. I you did. You were, yeah. you were quarantined. But um, we're all about milestones. That was 10. This is 20. Yeah. So. That's when we show up. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you guys come in on the big time. On the big time. <laughs> on the big anniversary. Big time dates. <laughs> big timers. Um, but we thought today we don't have anything specific like news or, or, or milestones other than this is our 20th episode to cover today. But we wanted to kind of go back and pick up a little bit. It's been a while. Uh, you know, back yeah. in the fall, I think maybe our first sort of cut the shit after hours, we got into a little bit of this idea of what we were calling buyer personas. Yeah. Um, and it was around selling. And, uh, you know, I was making a comment, I think, and maybe started it around when I was a CIO knowing how to buy. I felt like it was important as a CIO to know how to buy. You know, that's a, that's a fair expectation for someone who hires you, but also I think even for your vendors or partners for the, for you to represent and to understand what it is you're trying to do, why some of that. And we got into it a little bit, but we sort of short circuited that conversation and moved on. So we thought it might make sense to kind of come back and particularly for the two of you, since you've been in the business much longer than I have, particularly on the other side of the table to talk some about, what are some of the lessons that maybe you guys have learned through experiences working with customers, partners, and uh, around the idea of people who understand their buyer persona and how they approach it, how that integrates with their company strategy? And then what's that, what was that like during that experience? Did it, I mean, our, our, obviously the, the underlying assumption here is that someone who has a good understanding of their buyer persona and how that relates to their broader company um, you know, the company strategy will be a better, a better customer, right. And a better, yeah. a better sourcer yeah. of, 
of products and services. But maybe, you know, maybe it just gets lucky sometimes and it works out. So I thought what I'd do is just let you guys talk a little bit about some examples, maybe some, you know, some good stories and then maybe some not so good, maybe even horror stories about where there was a mismatch between the the buyer and what they said they wanted and maybe what their company wanted or what they said they wanted and what they actually wanted, like that kind of stuff, which is, this isn't, a, this, this isn't about complaining as a seller. Yeah. It's more about, look, the whole idea here is to help people figure out to get the right things. And there's two parts to this. So how does yeah. that work? So, so Cameron, why don't I start with you and you talk <clears throat> sure. a little bit about that, just, you know, ruminate a bit. Yeah. So, um, you know, for those that don't know my background, I was in engineering and then I went into sales. And what I realized really quickly was that uh, in sales, you're trying to engineer an outcome with people. And that's really difficult because people are weird. People are different and they do things unexpectedly. You're you weird. Know? Yeah, you're weird. Uh, <laughs> so is your face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're I mean, with, with systems and, and tools and whatever, you know, you can pull a lever and, and you have an expected outcome. With people, right. that's not it. And, and, and not all people are... This goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. Are the same, right? So every everybody has a unique personality. And even and the same person can be different in situations, right? Things ah, are situational for sure. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, Funny absolutely. You Funny you say that. Yeah, we've been dealing with one of those here recently. So um, <laughs> if you're listening, you know who you are. Uh, so, um, the wow. uh, yeah, one of the challenges that that, that I figured out early on was um, if, if you're in the role of a seller you have to adapt your style to the style of that individual. There's a little bit of um, styling of the organization they're a part of also that you kind of have to factor in. I'll give you an example. Um, you know, if you're an expressive personality, somebody, you know, who takes a lot of you know, pride in kind of the outward expression of, of emotions and whatever it is you're doing, if, um, if, let's say, for example, you had a really loud colored tie on and I told you that I thought that tie was silly, that'd piss you off. Like, you'd be like, what do you mean? Like, who are you, Mr. GQ? Like, that, that you can't tell me that. But if you're, uh, like, a, a, um, an analytical person, you're going to interpret that as, well, what's wrong with this tie? There's, like, uh, help, help me figure out why this is the wrong tie for this situation, et cetera. Right. The, all I did was make a comment about your tie. It had nothing to do with anything else. But th- that one little thing can send you off and be completely misinterpreted and, and misconstrued in terms of the context of what we're trying to accomplish here. I mean, so you have the personality side of it that you have to deal with. Um, then there's the other side of things is in really interpreting as a seller what it is you as the buyer are trying to achieve as an outcome. And a lot of times in this space, people have already predetermined, I need, you know, four units of X, Y, or Z in order to accomplish what I'm trying to right. achieve. They don't even tell you what they're trying to achieve. It's, yeah. I need, I need you know, A, B, or C, or <clears throat> X, Y, or Z, is it done. And I always kind of liken that to, if you see a guy standing in, you know, Home Depot, Lowe's, whatever, we'll keep it fair, um, standing and <laughs> looking at a bunch of drills. He wants a drill. No, he doesn't. He wants a hole. It has nothing to do with the drill. The drill is just part of how you got to the hole. Right. So it might be best for us to figure out what kind of hole are you looking for. So it's always good to try to determine, A, what really get challenge our customers to decide what what is it you're trying to accomplish and gain a clear and articulated understanding of what that is, whether it's our decision to make or not. I mean, I'll give you another example real quick. If I go to somebody who's an analytical person and I tell them, oh, what you need is a hole, here's drill number one. That's what you need. 
that's going to piss them off too. They would rather know there's three options. Here's the three. I think maybe this is the best one, but you make your own decision with the data I'm going to provide you. Some people don't care. They just want you to say, this is the drill yeah. you need to get the job done. So you have to be careful in how you That's present right. all of those. I mean, it's very nuanced, right? Uh, but you, in, until unless we understand what the outcome is they're trying to achieve, we can't bring any value to the situation. And Yeah, and I, th- I think, you know, to the point of, of the buyer side of it, right, they have some responsibility there too, I think, in knowing, I mean, you guys were given an example before we got on the mic about a guy that, has a very clear idea of what he wants and he just wants your help sourcing it, right? And while maybe that's not ideal from a from a vendor perspective, at least he has an idea of, he seems to be pretty clear on what it is that yeah. he wants, right? As opposed clear, to, yeah. at least you know that up front rather than him thinking, you go into it, him saying, what I really want you to do is help me kind of figure out a strategy and you know, I'm not really sure what the right solution is. And you do a bunch of work and he says, oh, well, really all I really need you to do is just give me the three widgets, yeah. right? The, I mean, the challenge with that is it, it takes a while of transacting with a client to determine whether or not that is indeed what they're asking for. Meaning if you tell me you want three quantity of you know widget X and you know already as the customer that's exactly what I need and that's the end of it, if that was wrong, it's not my fault. That's you, the, you have, I was going to make that point. See, but mm. sometimes customers want to want to want to want three of X, but then they come back later and go, "Well, you should have told me." Yeah. I'm like, well, hold on a minute. Now, right. this is a very different value proposition in terms of what you're. You had that figured out. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 maybe some of that is on the sellers, the seller side too, because the better answer if you're the example you guys were giving is a situation where there's some trust built yeah. up in that this is That's not an individual story. who would do that, yeah. right? Because if not. If you don't, if there's not trust established such that you know that that person does know what they want, yeah. you're you're probably better off to say, look, I'm not, I'm not. If you want to just go buy three things, mm-hmm. you should just go buy those, not from me. Like, let's, I, I want to make sure that's right, and if that's not, right. then you're better off over there. Uh, and I don't think everybody's willing to do that because they don't want to let mm-hmm. the they don't want the deal walk out the door. I mean, you got to remember, on a, you know. Buyers are liars, sellers are liars too, right? It works on both sides. So you, Everybody's you, I, a liar, man. Yeah, I, I think the experience has taught me that if um, you're better to take liberties that aren't technically yours and you're better to, to expand your scope of concern far beyond what it ought to be. And and if you're going to make assumptions, state them. If you're going to uh, you know decide, here's why I'm thinking X, Y, or Z, well, go ahead and express that to that, that buyer. Make sure that they understand that. And it's also good to repeat things they've said right back to them and say, sure. this is what I heard you say. Let's make sure. Are we thinking about everything here? You know, and it's not to belittle them or to, to, to second guess them. And that t- that's an artful delivery typically to say, yeah. I'm not trying to second guess you here. What I'm trying to do is make sure we understand holistically what is the intent? Here? What right, is your right. outcome you're trying to achieve? Have you considered X, Y, or Z? And again, you have to craft that message a little bit around the persona or the personality or, or, or character traits of that individual that you're dealing with. So, you know, and to ask that of a young seller, oh my God. It's tough. It's very yeah. difficult. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. And, and so Brian, I mean, you know, you've, you've been, again, he came up on the engineering side, you came up on the pure sales side, really from telco. I mean, what, what's been your, I mean, give me a, give me a negative experience along these lines where you thought a a buyer was looking for X or, you know, kind of, you thought their persona and their sort of what they were about was X and it was really different and and sort of how that shook out. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't know if it just happened to you, but when he said that and described to me like a bad experience, I went through a Rolodex of about 300 different deals that I've done in my career where I thought, well, that was, that was, that was, which one do you pick? There's so many. (laughs) So, um, I won't have any, uh, clever example. I was going to pick it Cameron a minute ago. He's always got 
some great examples. And I was going to say something about the drill and the hole. Um, you already said in, in this space, um, it's not always necessarily about the hole. Oh yeah. <laughs> in this yeah. space, it's about the cool, flashy drill that's going to make the hole. Yeah. So sometimes I don't think there's an intent to have a hole. It's just they yeah. want a cool new tool. I just need something cool. Yeah. And that happens. We've seen many circumstances where we've walked in. Tons. And there's boxes, you know, literally boxes in a data center. And it's like, what's that? And it was the old guys, you know, the yeah. old guy, the, the ex guys, you know, toy. Pallet, drill. Pallet of cash. Yeah, his drill. Yeah. Yeah. A lot yeah. of shelfware, a lot of just good intent that went out the door. But. So um, for me, it would be I go to not understanding or um, thinking about a customer where there was a pretty heavy pre-sales effort that took place. And the buyer came across as someone that like really wanted that. And we didn't do a good job of qualifying through the process what that was going to look like. It's pretty here. Uh, although we've probably done it here too. I'm sure. And um, we gave a lot of, you know, what ended up being free expertise um, because we felt like that it was more of a consultative type buyer. And that buyer let us believe that. So he, I feel like took somewhat some degree of advantage to it. Um, at least that's what I tell myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, and this has happened more than once. I mean, I've seen them where they ended up not doing anything. And I've seen it where they went with the solution that we built essentially or architected and bought it from somebody else. And really they were, they were what I would consider to be kind of that IT, that cheap IT buyer. And they were going to get whatever they could get from whoever they could get it from. And they were going to go buy it as inexpensive as they possibly could. And that's a, that's a kick in the yeah. gut you know, when I something try, like that happens. I try to think that I'm sure there are people who intentionally do that. I'm, I'm sure. The, the one I'm referencing absolutely yeah. 100% intentionally do I, I think that the, the frequency in which that happens shouldn't, shouldn't <clears throat> you know, cause people to not put their best foot forward. I think I think the times that people are taken advantage of like that are few and far yeah, between. I think that's the exception, not the yeah, rule. Yeah, I mean, it happens, but sure. yeah, it's not, I don't think it's that common. Yeah. And, and I also think there are times where stuff like that from afar looks like it happened, but it really didn't happen. Did you say from a fire? From a fire. Oh. From, from, from a fire. <laughs> from yeah. a fire. Yeah. From within a fire. From afar. From afar. That's afar. Man, you see it from afar. It looks to me like so far. <laughs> it's um, totally different. Jesus. Um, but um, yeah, from, I can't even say it now. From a different vantage point, maybe one that's further away, uh, not a far. Uh, the uh, you know, I, I think sometimes people it appears that they screwed you on something like that, but that yeah. wasn't really what happened. I imagine in your case, it probably was because yeah. if I could screw somebody over, I would screw you over. Yeah, I would appreciate <laughs> that. You've heard. Yeah. Well, I mean, so much. You like so it, much yeah. of that to me comes down to. Is this a one-time deal? Is oh, it a transaction, absolutely. or are we? Is there a shadow of the future? Are we going to be involved over time? Yeah. Right. And so I think one of the one of the nice things about service-oriented kinds of deals, right, is that they're usually going to be around for a while, yeah, right? As opposed term, to we're sure. a lot of we, we've already made references to widgets and boxes and stuff, right? Yeah. Buying some piece of equipment, right? Well, that might you might have service on that. You might need to be involved, or you might just be able to buy the box and move on. And if that's the case. 
Like that's a transaction. Like I don't know about you guys, but if I need to buy one pair of socks for something, I don't really worry about like what's the long-term implications of that, right? You're oftentimes like, what do I want and how can I get it as cheap as I can? Yeah, right. That's a that's a very normal kind of way of thinking about it. And so I think a lot of times it kind of comes down to the nature of the deal itself, right? I mean, trust matters in every deal, but it doesn't matter so much in a one-off transaction unless it, the piece of equipment or the socks or whatever don't work. I mean, mm. you know, they, they disintegrate. You know, yeah. that's, that's what I think, I'm, I guess I would want to make sure that when we talk about these things, we try to talk more about the latter, those that do have some shadow of the future, because I think that's where the buyer persona and the understanding about some of the things we're talking about matters more. I mean, I guess, I, I guess what I'd say is in a one-off transaction, you probably naive to think it's about anything oh. else other than wh- what do I need right now? How fast can I get it? And how cheap can I pay for how, sure? How cheap can I buy it? And, right? and to me, I think, and neither uh, of you really have been in the business of selling those kinds of yeah. things very much anyway. Right. I, I think that that part of the bit, like that transactional thing, I think all of that can be solved <clears throat> honestly with a good sales process because I look yeah, right back front, you know, I look back to that deal in particular. There was a lot of things that we could have done to control that from happening. You know, we were in a situation where, you know, the rep gets happy ears, you know, thinks that they're the only person that walked, came in and talked about the fish on the wall. And you, know, you go fishing and we go fishing too. And all <laughs> that like kind of play stuff. Golf? And, and have you ever it, played? It feels so good. <laughs> you know, and uh, I like bourbon. Do you like bourbon? <laughs> but, but you get down a road and the deal becomes of a certain size and, you know, the bottom line is there are parameters in place. And if you can take them, you can kind of put them in a box and you can talk them through like the expectations of how they're going to ultimately make this purchase. You'd uncover, you know, where they actually stood. I think the other danger area too, that you can mostly control on the selling side is ensuring that the person that you're actually talking to and you're spending all this time with is the person that can say yes or the person that can right. say no. Um, everybody can say no. Yeah, true. Not everybody. The person can that say can say yes. yes. Yeah. Because if that person can't say yes, even if they are doing everything right to present the solution that you guys have built together, somebody can there's still in, the risk. Somebody can come in the other door. Sure. You know, with a relationship, and now all of a sudden. Well, I mean, you're this out. whole conversation is around buyer personas. At that point, it doesn't really matter what yeah. I mean, unless sure. they've got a lot of influence, right? They're not they're even not the they're buyer. not the buyer, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, that's uh, you know, at the end, and in an organization, you know, any organization wants to be careful about who can buy for obvious reasons. You don't need everybody out buying stuff all yeah. the time, right? But the larger the organization becomes, in my mind, very often the trickier it gets oh, to figure sure. out who can actually buy something, right? Yeah. And so that creates. I think both forget about the seller for a second. It creates some very strange internal dynamics, right? Because there's lots of frustration a lot of times inside inside a large organization for people who can't buy but are like, sure. what the tools I have are not doing the job, but I can't buy what I need, right? And so they end up trying to find all kinds of ways to influence, manipulate. They're, they're internally selling to the buyers, yeah. right, in some kind of way, yeah. and they may or may not be good at that. I mean, there can be all kinds of weird dynamics that, uh, you f- that you're not aware of because they're not going to tell you that Agreed. stuff. It, right? it, it, Nobody it, wants to tell you they can't make a decision. No, and they're not going to tell you, like, my boss is – I mean, they might tell you their boss is crazy or whatever. Or he thinks – sees the world totally different than me or she's, you know, got this other organization she really cares about, but they're terrible. And I mean, you know, all those kinds of things yeah. that everybody's seen – um, that are real. When you try to, I mean, 
I've been doing this a long time. And so one of the things I found that if, if, if you try to establish that true north or that intent or what, what, you know, what is the, the after supposed to look like after we do this transaction, after this deal's done, that you should be able to find consensus amongst all rank and file on what is the expected outcome. If you can't, then you just need to throw the rest of it in the trash because you're never going to get there. Now, if they have a difference of opinion on how you're going to get it done, that might be acceptable. But then, you know, you try to drive some, or, or seek some consensus amongst everybody on how. But the what should not be in question. If the what's in question, the whole thing's doomed from the start. So, you know, what well, there's no way thing. to be successful. Correct. <laughs> because there is no, there's no measure right. for success. I'm right. Like, did, hey, did he spend a million dollars and did it do what you're supposed to do? I don't know what it was supposed to do, so I don't know. Well, then... Okay, yeah, like right. everybody's going to get frustrated. Yeah. Like if, I mean, the writing's on the wall usually uh, early on, but also people like to withhold information. I don't think it serves anyone well uh, in its entirety, uh, you know, but people withhold information like it's some kind of a game. And, you know, I think as I've gotten older, I, my tolerance for those kind of games has come and gone, but it, it is definitely prevalent, and I think it, it, it shouldn't have a place, but it does seem to have a place, especially in the larger organizations that we sell into. Yeah. I think the good news for us too, to to tag on that point and maybe make a shameless plug, is we know what we're after. Like we know yeah. we know the the type of buyer that we're after, mm-hmm. um, and we know that if it doesn't start early in the process with cards face up, it's not going to convert to that. Correct. Right. Unless there's unless you're just. I mean, there's sometimes there's the the earning of trust, but when it's really for guarded, sure. you as I, well as I know, you know, and you now too. It's it's not worth trying to unwind that. It's not worth trying to earn your well, way out of distrust. It, you know, if you're looking for one night stands, you're going to find somebody eventually. Yeah. But if, you know, if, if you're trying to look at every person as if this is a potential marriage, you're looking for certain characteristics and traits of somebody you want to partner up with right out of the gate. And I know that's big talk for something as insignificant as what we do here, but there's a lot of money and there's a lot of, I mean, frankly, a lot of livelihood of businesses that that we're involved in in a position of. I mean, I wouldn't say we have authority, but there's a lot of trust placed on us that oh, we fail man. to deliver. It's going to trickle through and affect that business. Yeah. So it, it does have to be vetted on the front end very early and, and quite often. I mean, literally, we have to earn our clients every single day, every yeah. single transaction. So we always have to live up to who they thought we were in our best days and vice versa. And so that that works. I mean, there there is kind of an ebb and flow to how that, that takes place. But people get our best when... You know, when we believe in what they're trying to do, and the more we know about what they're trying to do, the more we take it on as kind of our, our mission. Um, so, in, in, where there's a lack of clarity around what the goals and objectives are, there's a high degree of probability we're going to f- screw up. So, yeah. it, it, it doesn't do anybody any favors to withhold all that information, you know. But, yeah, I mean, and to me, it's interesting you think about this idea of, you know, partners versus vendors or. You know, sort of a zero-sum thinking versus win-win, right? Mm-hmm. And I think these are the things we're, we're alluding to. But, I mean, there are organizations out there that are incredibly successful that are not win-win oriented, right? And are not long-term oriented. That's I, correct. I don't, I don't want to do business with them, but, I mean, it's not I, I'm style, also not going to yeah. sit here and say that, you know, the, the only way to do it is, you know, long-term partnerships that are, you know, that are win-win and are, are consultative and all that kind of stuff. That happens to be the business that we're in, yeah. so we think that's the way to roll, right? Yeah, and, it's certainly not the only way. But it's, but, but, you know, I've been on both sides. I've, I've been on the buyer side too. And, and when I think back, particularly when I was at, when I was a CIO, we had kind of a mix. We had some, 
some partnership oriented, you know, oriented relationships, and we had some sort of vendor, vendor transactional ones. So I think it's probably pretty common to have, you know, a little bit of both. I mean, I guess I'd ask you guys when you think about. I mean, you guys are also buyers, right? You run a company, you buy products and services. How do you guys yeah. think about those relationships? I'll turn the I, tables on you a little. Yeah, I would tell you the ones that we we tend to. I'm sure their margins are better on us. I'm sure that that we aren't quite as nitpicky about uh, the financial aspects of, of the relationships where we know that there's a vested, um, there's a shared concern about our stated outcomes. Like I, I know for a fact we have certain partners that we work with, they know our objectives. And the more they know them and the more they express to us on a recurring basis, hey, I know what you're after, I know what you're trying to do. And, and I see that they've pre-filtered you know, kind of what they're bringing to us, or they behave a certain way based on me not having to, yeah. you know, I don't have to remind them of our priorities unless they change, of course. The, those are the people that get our business. And, you know, I don't think twice about, you know, consistently going back to them. And, you know, I'm going to pay somebody to do work somewhere along the way, whether I'm going to pay directly or indirectly. I would much rather, you know, know that that whatever I'm expending is going to good, you know, good cause, which is our concern, right? right. Or whatever our objectives are. Um, I mean, certainly, I take that into account. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think I'm quietly keeping score, but not, not in, not in a, a conscious way, right? Just, I know that I get good results when I deal with X, you know. So I don't know. What about you? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's the same. I mean, the, the buyer's exercise, you know, social predictability says you buy on a combination of three things: the, the, the product you're buying, you know, some level of reliability of that product. I mean, I think about going and buying a TV or whatever it may be. You know the support you're going to get behind it. What's the maintenance agreement like? So what's the warranty? Who do I call? And how easy is it? The assurances. And the, yeah, and that's the price piece. Mm-hmm. And you know there are some people out there that state that they are 100% price buyers, but if you can really take them through a process to understand the nuances and the differences it relates to support from one manufacturer over another and the reliability of a product to the service we provide from a managed service perspective, I would say. You know how how many different ways can they open a ticket? What kind of transparency we give them as it relates to reporting those types of things? I'm looking for the same thing in return. Like I, when we're making a buying decision for this organization, you know, I want it to be, I, I want it vetted that way, and I want us to make the best decision we can. It's it's never a, you know, unless it's just a purely transactional widget. You know, I don't think we ever go through a process of, and maybe that's the seller in us too. We ever go through a process of that's a that's a dime less expensive, like unless it just doesn't freaking matter, right? Well, and everything just, matters to some degree. Yeah, it does. I I, I would agree with that. I, I think it's um, I think it's very difficult to uh, expect that. I, well, I think you you're gonna be you're set to be disappointed if you expect everybody to behave that way. If you yeah, think everybody's sure. gonna care about what we care about, so that. I think if you think about that on the front end, you set yourself up not to be disappointed. But if you if you know what you're looking for, you know, in, in that, then you go out and you, you can figure out usually pretty quick whether people are cut from the same cloth, whether yeah. they're going to think what we think is important is important, and so on. And you filter out everybody else pretty quick. And um, you know, I don't I, I I don't think it's hopeless, but it's hard to find people that 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 fit in, in terms of selling. I mean, that's one of the challenges we've had in, in, in growing this organization is finding if you will, sellers or reps and things sure. that, that, that can value and appreciate kind of what we're spewing out here yeah. right now. And, and if they get it, 100% they've got a great chance. If they don't, I don't know that that's something that you can 
teach. I think you could bring it to the forefront of, of maybe their, their thinking, but I don't know that everybody innately possesses a, a care for that sort of thing. So Right, um, right. Anyway. And I guess, you know, recurring, you know, since we're talking, I mean, buyer personas obviously don't have anything exclusively to do with buying technology, but that's mostly what we're talking about. So, you know, with the transition to services, have you guys felt a difference in the way people think about buying? I mean, when I think about the idea of the old school purchasing department where, you know, that was that was built around mostly an industrial model, right? We're buying commodities. So to we need spec, right? We, need yeah, spec, we, what's the spec? Make, we want it. Yeah. And, and a, a nickel a unit does matter because we're going to buy a million sections yeah. of whatever. 100%. And like that's, you know, and that's what you did that because you were getting buying power and, you know, the sort of the Walmart thinking around you know that 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 sort of an approach it doesn't seem to make a ton of sense in a lot of what we're talking about but my guess is that we still come across that so i'm just curious you know how, what are you where do, what are y'all's experiences with those kinds of things we you know we call it the bake-off sometimes or yeah. whatever but thinking about that sort of an approach i would argue that if i may i, yeah, I, yeah. I think one of the challenges that you come up, up with is in an industrial i think the industrial analogy is a perfect one in that you know, if I'm sourcing bearings and raw materials and, you know, screws and that kind of crap to put together something, you're a, you're the screw supplier. You're the bearing supplier. You've made some of the specification and it does what it's supposed to do or you're out. It's that simple. I don't think we sell a damn thing that does anything here by itself. So somebody has to put it together. But these customers aren't in the business of assembling this stuff into something that does something. So the onus is back on us right. to assemble it all envision what it's supposed to do and put it together sometimes they pay us to put it together put it together and and, and do all that sometimes they don't right it's just assumed that it's part of what we do is to make all this massage it together to to to, to a finished product and so um i think having clear understanding of who's doing what to accomplish this stuff also puts the uh, you know it, it kind of adds an, uh, sort of an X factor to the value equation. And, you know, I, I was called to the carpet by a procurement group once upon a time uh, in a large organization because they, th it, it just, it blew their minds that we would do work and not charge a line item hourly fee for that work, that integration or that, that assemblage of all of these things. It, it short circuited them. I, we never got to a resolution. It was just, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. That was their answer. I'm like, well, I don't get it either, but that's the business we're in. So I don't know how to help you with that. But, and, you know, we kind of left it at an impasse. So it, you know, is a product a product and should it cost what it costs? Yes. But it's, the products don't do anything in this business, you know, they, they, by themselves. Most of them don't. So, so it, it does kind of change who's bringing, I mean, you got to remember part of the business we're in is value-added resale, which I hate because a lot of times the value is stripped out. If I'm shuffling paper, it is a widget. It's a bearing. It's a screw. It is what it is. Okay. Very few things are that way. I mean, so it does require a lot of sort of intangible effort and, and, and things that are highly valuable to be pro bono gifted. And then that changes where you, it has to get paid for somewhere. So that's then squirreled away in the margin of the product. Right. And right. so it's not the same widget. So depends on the you know the vantage point of the buyer and what they think of this stuff it's not all the same right uh, so yeah I mean I, and I guess law we think about that some in the context of selling Microsoft licensing right which at least from my perspective is probably the closest thing to selling a standardized set of screws right yeah. I mean a, right. a 365 Microsoft E3 license right. is the same exactly. you and I get the exact we get the same one yeah, like it is it, what it is right 
Now that doesn't However, mean you can't add value to it, right? But it is, a, you know, it is to your point that, that you know there are plenty of buyers who see it as just that. Well, for sure, it's just licensing, man, mm-hmm. because lots of people sell it. Yeah, you, you know, you need some licenses. Yeah, I got them right here. You know, be happy to be happy to provide them for you. Nothing wrong with that, um, but you know, you can try to go beyond that too if you want, because if not, you're in the game of. Well, then what kind of discount can you give me? And that's where you back to back to the point, right? Well, if I'm going to get the exact same thing, I might as well get it for the cheapest price. Yeah. Um, and they don't know value until they see value. Like we've seen some of those things true. too where you know, customers made an initial decision to go one way because they didn't see the value or to not move because they didn't see the value. And then they we somehow got them to agree to talk through it more. And they're like, you got that. You do this. You do these things. You can help us with this. You know, back to the new commerce experience stuff. I think that's. I think that was a big differentiator. What you and, and the the Mercury Path team did to lead that. Um, that's value add, right? I mean, because we stumbled across a lot of CSPs out there that they literally just tapped. Yep. They tapped and said, "I don't even know what to do with this. We're going." Or they didn't share. They didn't share the information with their customers that it was even happening. Right. I mean, we've had come across come across a handful of those where they were like. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, no, no, uh, exist. Yeah, you missed. Well, there's they you know, missed. There's another. There's a custodial <clears throat> aspect of what we do, um, whether that's you know on the financial side or whether that's operational. Where, you know, it, just because we sold something to you doesn't mean that we're done. Like in our minds, right? We, there, there's a like I can sell you a race car. Doesn't mean you know how to drive the stupid thing, right? So it, uh, we have to stick around and then, you know, make sure you're not overspending over licensed you're leveraging it for everything that's you know you you set out for it to do uh you know we find as you guys well know but i'll I'll say it anyway you know we're finding customers that they had a perfectly fine buying relationship with whoever was providing a license yeah that that does what it does you're right it's as close as you can get to commodity but uh they also didn't bother to tell them hey you've got you know a hundred of these things that aren't in use what you know you know you can cancel it. You don't need to keep paying for that. So, but nobody bothered to do it. So, so you know, on our side, we try to again go a little bit above and beyond and, and take over that custodial aspect of managing and maintaining it properly and making sure that it's being used. And then staying on the customer's face to say, you know, use these things responsibly. Don't right. spend that money if you don't have to. So, you know, we try we try to even add value where it's a commodity. And, yeah, and I think that's part of you know again back to you know thinking about the person on the other side of the table and they're thinking about. You know, how do I do the best for my organization to get the technology that we need to be able to be successful, right? They're all asking themselves that question every day, whether it's explicit or, or not. And in this context, right, this is one where, I mean, we do, you know, we're in an interesting business in a lot of ways. I've tried to, you know, when I explain sometimes to people what I do. They say, why? Well, they're just like. That sounds made up. Or no, they say they're like, that sounds really boring, you know, or, or and I'm like, well, it's fundamental technologies. Like these are, yeah. you know. You got to have network connectivity, right? Well, lights on. You got to have, you know, most places need office licensing, right, to be able to operate. Do you, you know, do you use Excel? Oh yeah. Well, somebody has to buy that yeah. light. Like it, it has to happen. Like it's not a, Boom, it doesn't just there. doesn't just appear. You know, Cameron sells race cars apparently. Yeah, yeah right. I mean, yeah. who knew? I, mean, I was like, yeah. whoa, whoa, when do we sell a race car? Now listen, you can also. What was the margin? Like, I used to work for a guy that I he sat down with my customers once upon a time. It's an enterprise account. I mean, this is million. They represented hundreds of millions of dollars a year, and he said. You buy Cisco, 
yeah, we sell Cisco. Why are you not buying it from me? Yeah. I'm like, well, I guess it can be that simple too, can't yeah. it? Why not me? Like, please don't ever say that in front of my customer again. But sure, you're the CEO. Do it. Like, whatever. Why not me, man? Yeah. So you buy Cisco. We why sell not Cisco. me? Why you yeah, not buy from a, me? There you go. This is just a new strategy. Uh, uh, you know. Why not me? It, it, I used there you to. Go. Yes. Why not us? It's a tagline. Yeah. The customer. Before I realized he's not it. talking to he's talking to Talia. You guys cannot oh, see yeah, right. see that see in Talia. case you think he's just like or Emily. It. Yeah, <laughs> like, also hey, he hey, doesn't hey. have on pants. Uh, well, that's enough. Either way, like, uh, I mean, it is after hours. Yeah, after pants hours. are what is overrated this? Is for it sure. Five? God, Take them off. Lee. When did anybody start wearing pants? Yeah, I, I used to think. Don't you have heard the of the modern workplace? Fault. Yeah, I used to think. Damn it, I'm trying to go somewhere here. I used to think it was the customer's fault when they couldn't see value when they when they didn't appreciate what it was we had to tell them. That pissed me off. But I started to realize. Who's your dumbass? No, no. Get ready. Here comes the punchline. If you're listening to this podcast, you're not part of this party. Uh, it, so, so you're okay. But there's a bunch of goons in this business. Like, no. I, I'm telling you that if 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 you look at the company we keep and the people that sell into this space, it's no wonder the customers don't trust us. Yeah, it's no wonder that they're apprehensive to work with us because I can promise you, I've seen a lot of them. Like. I wouldn't like us either. Like it's it, 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 it's the equivalent of like you pull into a used car lot on a Sunday because there's nobody around. But you know damn good well if you pull in on a Friday, here comes the trench coat and Vultures, cigarette man. and there the, you go. like they're pouncing on you. Hey, uh, how can I help you today? Like get away from. What's payment need to be? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like hey, here we go, and we're not far off from that in terms of. No, and, it gets, and you get in this industry. It's a birds of a feather mentality yeah, on the is. other side, right? There's, we talk about trust like it's something that's that, easy, yeah. and the, the problem with trust is that you know you can build it up and build it up, and it only takes you know one or two bad bad experiences to be like I'm not going to make that mistake again. The first, the last, and the most recent. That's, you know, or the I mean, first, the worst, and the most recent. That's what it is. That's what yeah, I mean that's a that, you know, and that's the nature of again back to the challenge of if you want to have long term relationships, that you're giving yourselves a lot of opportunity. To, to make mistakes. Absolutely. And if you don't, I mean, look, everyone knows if you make a mistake, you, if you own up to it and you fix it, that's oftentimes better than all not making takes. a mistake at all yeah. in, in many ways. I mean, there's been all kinds of research about that, that someone having a customer service issue and it getting solved in a way that feels good to them and feels like it was done correctly was will great. actually make them like the place better than if they never had a problem at all, which Agreed. in many ways is kind of like, well, that's totally insane, but that's also human nature. So, well, that's why we have predictive breaking. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. We, we break early. Yeah, we, 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 we break early and often. often. Fail. Yeah, early and often, so we can correct things. Hey, We've had Johnny, some technology vendors really who painful. really bought into yeah. that. Johnny, so. the calls get ready to come yeah. in. Watch this. Kick him in the knee, but have the ice bag ready. Like, yeah, <laughs> go. Yeah, I'd so. be so surprised how fast right, with we that answer. we're finished. Have a nice day, guys. <laughs> where where were we? Oh yeah, we were talking about licensing. Yeah, I think. <laughs> I think we covered it. We covered that. Yeah. That's exciting stuff. No, I. You know, I don't know what. As I think about just trying to how we wrap this up and kind of bring it to a close. You know, if you were gonna, if you were gonna forget about whether you're trying to sell something, you got it. Your your kid starts their own business, right? And they're <clears throat> buying stuff. What what kind of advice would you give them to to be a good buyer? Like to be in a, put themselves in a best position so that because to your point, you have to buy stuff. There is nobody. Who you know just makes everything themselves. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe some guy lives out in the woods and you know is off the grid. But in general, you got to buy stuff. He well, made things. Ted, he did make yeah. things. He, well, even he used the mailman. He, right, he, yeah. he trusted the U.S. Postal Service to get the yeah. yeah. So, but you know, what what advice would you give someone as a buyer, right, to try to be better at it? I go first because yours, yours yeah. will probably be a lot longer, <laughs> and you'll cite several examples. Here's the deal. Mine's, 
Mine's longer. Not gonna His go is first. louder. <laughs> yeah. Longer, louder. Yeah. Bueller. Yeah. Um, I would say surround yourself with smart people. Surround yourself like the, with the the types of things you're going to need to buy. Source people. You know that that you know. Like I'm a I'm a referral based. I would consider myself more of a referral based buyer. <clears throat> I'm not going to do a lot of the legwork, especially when we start talking about like technology. That's where I gloss over anyway. Um, which was so frustrating about this space at times, but I'm going to go to somebody that's made the decision more times than not that I already trust. So if you've done it, man, you know, and I know that you're a, you know, a diligent person. Um, I'm going to probably roll with what you did. You know, that's just, that's path least of resistance for me. And I, I think that's a particular type of buyer. It is. I mean, it really yeah. is. You know, I think it's, re- ref- there's ref- to, to a couple of distinct ones, a referral type and then relationship, right? And depending on what you, what you're buying, you know, again, am I buying services or am I buying something that's really transactional? If I'm buying services, I want to feel really good about who I'm buying those services from. Because to me, that's partnership. That's when I've got to be able to rely on you to deliver something for there's me. There's a shadow of the future. There's a, there's a long-term Absolutely. component to it for sure. Yeah, And I think buyers need to understand, kind of go back to that, I think buyers need to understand at what point they can be different you know, buyer types, right. buyer personas. I would say with yourself alone, away from, you know, the calm before the storm, get a pen and paper out because it's easy to distort your own thoughts and write down, what am I trying to accomplish here? What do I need in order? What stands between me and that accomplishment and get, you know, getting that done, is it buying something, whatever it is. And then what do I expect? What am I going to do? And what is out out of here that has to be done is going to be done by somebody else. And then remind yourself along the way, do they know? Do yeah. they understand they that I'm expecting you to do X, Y, and Z? Right. And if they don't, and it's good kind of on it. you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I think that's where things typically get sideways and people walk, you know, unnecessarily a lot of times away from a deal or, or you know, a transaction or some, some sense of accomplishment there because it was all lost in the ether, right? It got somewhere between you and I. I'm depending on you. You don't know it. And you're depending on me to tell you something that I'm not telling you. And so until unless you can go back to that that sort of true north, that, that what you wrote down as an objective, everybody's wrong. Right. And so, you know, I would just try to, if I could teach buyers one thing, it'd be be explicit, be clear, be blunt. I mean, we were talking about a customer this morning that, I mean, he doesn't know who he is, but I'm going to tell you, from the outside looking in, I think a lot of people think this guy's an asshole because he's very blunt. But you can be just as blunt back to him. Yep. He wants to get something done, and he'll tell you, "This is what I this is what I need done." And you know, I've got two options: I can say yes or no. Right. And if I say yes, then he expects me to get it done. I love that. I think that's great. If they could all be that way, I'd take it all day long. But if I were a really expressive or an amiable personality, he would hurt my feelings, right? So it's it, again, it goes back to I mean, everybody fits in a camp. You're an amiable and expressive and analytical or a driver, and certain engagement styles are going to set you off. You're not going to like it. But somewhere deep within all of that, that's all BS stuff. I mean, it is what it is, but deep down there's a yes or a no. Like there's a thing that needs to be done, right. and that's yeah. what we all have to ferret out. You just have different methodologies in how we do that. But if you're hiding it, I mean, look, hide the hot dog, nobody wins. Yeah. Like, it's that simple. He said, "Hide the hot dog." Hide the hot dog. We're going to end on hide the this hot dog. I feel like, that's, hot I feel dog like that is the best way to end episode twenty of Hide the Shame. Don't hide the hot dog. Yes. Uh, thanks again for listening, guys. Um, tune in again in a couple of weeks. We'll be back in action. Take care. We hope you enjoyed this episode. 
If you are enjoying the podcast, we'd appreciate it if you would become a subscriber wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, that would really help us out. Or you can just go old school and tell your friends, your family, your colleagues, and hell, anybody else who you think might want to hear something like this to listen in. If you're on social media, make sure to follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at cuttheshit underscore pod. We are also on TikTok, at cuttheshitpod, all one word, where we post lots of clips from the podcast. And last but not least, you can also watch the YouTube version of the show on our YouTube channel, at Plow Networks. Until next time, take care and have a great day.